0: In this episode of Ottawa Business Journal's Behind the Headlines, Canada North pushes for autonomous buses and shuttles, Ottawa home prices show signs of levelling off, and a legendary Ottawa entrepreneur prepares to hand over the reins. All this and more coming up right now. Behind the Headlines is brought to you by Nelligan Law. Their profession is the law, their product is peace of mind. Hello and welcome to Behind the Headlines for the week of July 12, 2021. I'm Michael Kern from the Ottawa Business Journal. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Behind the Headlines is a regular podcast from OBJ to explore the most popular local business stories. I'm happy to have my two colleagues from OBJ here with us. Uh, as usual peter cavessi and david sally welcome to you both let's dive uh, right into this episode we have story number 1 which involves as mentioned canada north business association which is the association that represents about 500 plus Technology companies, as the name suggests, North Canada, uh, made an attention grabbing uh, headline this week. They proposed having transit operators run autonomous buses along March Road and Highway 417, as well as an automated vehicle shuttle service that could be ferrying workers around the area's tech park as soon as next year. All this would cost potentially $35 million. Dave, uh, what are some of the economic development officials saying about this?
1: Uh, well, Mike, as you say, yeah, uh, this is uh, this this is quite a major announcement. I mean, we've um, we've known for a while now that obviously Canada North is kind of a hotbed for uh, for AV uh, technology, right? You've got companies out there like BlackBerry QNX. Uh, Ford is doing a lot of research into this. Um, you've got other local uh, startups that are really getting into it. Uh, Area X.0 is in town here, which is like the biggest test track pretty much in Canada. For AV technology, so the Canada North um, Business Association really feels like it's got uh, kind of a big uh, head start here on uh, on a lot of other places. So why not try and um, try and get a pilot project going to really test this stuff in real world conditions? And um, and you get a couple of things out of this. Obviously, it uh, you know it, it helps move people around as as um, as they're trying to find better ways to get the Twenty plus thousand workers uh, who go, come into the park uh, every day under normal conditions when everyone's back at work, uh, so they want to be able to move them around um, more efficiently. And also, it, it's really kind of seen as a um, as a way as a, as a way to test drive this technology, if you will. Um, and so, uh, and and with with local companies here um, being so involved in it. Um, uh, they they feel like, as Jenna Suds, the counselor for the word says, you know, this could demonstrate what is possible in the field of AV technology um, so that uh, Ottawa is really ready when the technology really uh, matures and uh, and comes into its own, uh, that local companies here uh, can really be poised to take advantage. Uh, Invest Ottawa is going to be very involved in this um, and uh, their CEO, Michael Tremblay. Uh, you know, he said um, uh, he said that uh, uh, that that, they, that he really feels um, like this is gonna cement Ottawa's status as an AV tech hub that a lot of local companies have already started blazing a trail. Uh, think of companies like Smart Cone, Smats Traffic Solutions. They're already testing their products out at X.0. So this is just gonna put even more of a spotlight. Um, You know, on products that that Ottawa is already becoming known for and and it'll really allow it to showcase uh, its abilities um, in a real world setting, so to speak. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's the interesting part of the idea, I think, as you touched on, Dave, like a lot of this technology is being demonstrated in Ottawa. It'd be great to see it actually happen, right, in a real world, you know, with snow conditions and and rain and so on and so forth. Uh, but besides that, Peter, the whole kind of let's, let's make demonstration projects real, there's another angle to this story that makes it important for KNBA. Um, tell us more about that.
2: Yeah, and I guess on a, on a bit more practical sense, uh, this is something that could pl- possibly plug a perceived gap in the city's rapid transit network. So just for context, the uh, the light rail expansion, uh, phase two that's currently underway, um, it's it's uh, going as far right now as Moody Drive. So that's going to be, uh, the new station is going to be opening up there uh, later this decade. Uh, the plan for when light rail does expand even further, something that's not expected until the other next decade, when it goes even further west, it's actually going to bypass pass uh the uh that that big employment hub in Canada north and instead follow uh roughly the uh, the path of the 417 before uh turning around at the or sorry, turning at the Canadian Tire center uh, heading into uh, into Stittsville so um, the ability to move uh, workers uh, quickly from uh, the city's main rapid transit network spine uh, towards this major, major employment hub uh, is is significant um Prior to the pandemic, uh, there were uh, some some comments just uh, that you know the area's seen a lot of growth in recent years, and so there was some comments that uh, there was a lot of uh, traffic, some comments on the road uh, road condition that uh, that. Uh, um um, maybe what you know some people suggest it wasn't sort of befitting that image of Canada North as you know a global world-class uh, tech hub so having this uh, very uh, you know cutting-edge uh, form of rapid transit could really go a long way uh, to uh, to helping uh, that image and then you know practically getting uh, getting people to and from there. Well there's no denying there's traffic issues I mean we saw that uh, pre-pandemic it's hard
0: to get in hard to get out and and it was it was quite surprising you know there's I mean, tens of thousands of workers there. So, something certainly has to be done about that transportation issue. Let's go to story number two, which is a really interesting one and maybe a little bit of a change in a trend. It involves uh, residential housing prices, which we know have been skyrocketing. I mean, beyond pretty well anything we've ever seen. The average uh, home price uh, in Ottawa is now three quarters of a million dollars. That's a lot of money. Uh, And that's up, by the way, about 25% from a year ago in the pandemic. So this has been the crazy trend we're on. But Peter, there's some new market data that is painting a little bit of a different picture. What's that data telling us?
2: Well, there are some indications that potentially uh, prices after that mind boggling run up that we've seen, you know, over the last uh, two years or so that we are starting to see prices stabilize. So, you know, since about, you know, the February, March timeframe, prices have been uh, constant at about that three quarters of a million dollar mark. Again, we got to be very cautious because that is a, uh, uh, you know, four or five months. That's a very small sample size. And, um, you know, prior to this conversation, I was looking at some of the historical uh, data and home prices were almost flat uh, for the second half of 2019 at a half million dollar mark before they quickly shot up again. So four or five months is uh, somewhat of a small sample size. But, you know, there is something that is different this time around that's particularly noteworthy, and that is that the inventory levels, uh, meaning the number of homes that are on the market, has hit a a four year high. So that means that buyers now have more choice. There's more selection on the market. Um, So it's really, uh, I guess, now, the question to see that, you know, as we are heading into uh, to the summer and then, you know, into to the fall, whether this trend uh, per, persists both on prices as well as uh, having uh, that, uh, that inventory uh, on the market. And I guess it should be noted that some of those, that trend is extending not
0: only in Ottawa, but kind of across the country. So this isn't something we're only seeing here locally, might be part of a a bigger uh, picture. So listen, Peter and Dave, before we explore our last story of the day, I want to bring in our legal expert from Nelligan Law, Craig O'Brien. Craig is a partner in the firm's litigation, business insurance, and construction groups. Hi, Craig. Hi, Michael. Good to see you. Uh, So uh, I'm eager to get your input on this. Um, Almost all businesses have contracts, and those contracts uh, over time have these, uh, what I suspect were largely ignored terms, sometimes called, uh, you know more about all this language, by the way, but force majeure or acts of God or stuff like that. And I think it's fair to say that before the pandemic, Greg, we would have thought, oh, that's some, you know, useless little clause. But now we've... Isn't that quaint? Oh, yes. my God, we've experienced the pain of a pandemic here, Craig. So these uh, force majeure clauses are, are way more important. Uh, what discussions are you having with clients about stuff like this?
3: Well, it depends on which client, obviously. There are some that you would want to um, keep the force majeure clauses as narrow as possible. And uh, if I'm negotiating on the other side of the coin, I want a force majeure to um, be as broad as possible. I mean, this is a doctrine that really um, has been ignored for a long, long time It actually comes from or was first used uh, in popularity um, with a guy who rented a apartment with a balcony to oversee a coronation of a British king. When the coordination was delayed a week, he wanted to get out of the rental uh, contract of of the unit and was actually able to uh, successfully do that. From that is a long, long time ago. And from there to here, um, things have drastically changed. In the pandemic environment, we are seeing usually from employment contexts that um, the force majeure can be used and has been applied to the pandemic. It's really a a scenario where neither party to a contract could reasonably have foreseen what occurred. So in the instance of a pandemic, um, it will be applied and has been applied when government regulations now preclude businesses from operating in the way that they were meant to.
0: And, and sorry if of, this is a dumb question. So, is force majeure going to automatically include a pandemic? Or, you know, if a company watching this wanted to uh, make sure they have the right language, do they have to be specific about a pandemic?
3: They don't. But if they're specific about other things that do trigger a force majeure and ignore the issue of a pandemic, it could be read out that if you have a long list of things that you were including, um, war, pestilence, government regulation, whatever it may be. Um, and you specifically do not have pandemic language included in there that could be interpreted by the court as an
0: intention to exclude. It sounds like it's fairly technical. So this is definitely one of those cases. I mean, maybe all of them are uh, are an example when they should phone so phone someone like you, Craig, to get some good leg- legal advice, especially if a coronation might be delayed, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Um, the,
3: yes, there are certainly it's very fact specific as well as being um, quite a technical area. And frankly, it does not have the same treatment by our courts over time that other issues do. So a lot of it does need to be interpreted using relatively old case law or um, very odd scenarios that really don't have much application to the broader business community.
0: Well, thanks for sharing your insights on these force majeure clauses. And uh, again, uh, appreciate you being here and And I would recommend people give you a call on this. Thanks, thanks, Craig. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. And thanks to Nelligan Law for its sponsorship of this regular podcast. Uh, Dave, we're gonna go to you for our third and final story, which involves a very well-known uh, local CEO who's focused in the tech sector. I think I first got to know him through a company called Fluidware. Uh, that uh, he was partner with someone named Eden uh, Merzai that uh, and there was an exit from that company, by the way, and they both did uh, fairly well. But then, uh, this particular gentleman went on to uh, uh, lead a company called MindBridge AI, which is really important in Ottawa because it's one of the prime examples of artificial intelligence uh, companies. So this gentleman, uh, I guess I should say who it is at this point, Eli Fathy, is stepping down as CEO, and he's going to ease into retirement, Dave what is the uh, legacy of mr. Ellie Fathy
1: well Mike um, you know there are, you know, people throw throw around the term uh, you know legend or you know just iconic whatever you want to say a lot but I mean that really does apply to Ellie Fathy I mean um, just an indication when we when I posted this story uh, you know um, early last week or whatever I mean, The level of engagement we got in social media was unbelievable i don't know if we've ever had a story that's gotten that many comments just people saying wow like congratulations ellie you know you've you've made i mean i remember going to you when i was a young engineer a young entrepreneur starting out and you 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 know changed my life essentially i mean that's the kind of impact Eli Fathi has had on Ottawa's tech community over the last 40 plus years. Um, it's a classic immigrant story almost. Right? He moved to Ottawa as a student from Israel in the early 1970s, eventually did his master's degree in electrical engineering at U of O, and went on to build more than half a dozen companies. Uh, he says he's probably been employed collectively uh well over 500 people you talked about fluidware which was uh later acquired by SurveyMonkey, um and then ellie went on to found uh, or to um uh to take the leadership the key leadership role at MindBridge, which has become which is um which specializes in uh fraud detection software using artificial intelligence and it's really become a world leader uh works with the bank of england the bank of canada Forbes has just recently named it one of them, uh, essentially one of its top 50 fintech companies uh, sort of to watch. Uh, um, So, I mean, it has really made a name for itself on the world stage in an area where Ottawa is still kind of trying to come out of the shadow, say, of places like Montreal that really have established themselves as AI hubs. So Ellie has really made it; is his presence felt, uh, in, in all kinds of areas of tech and, and, um, and he also went to, uh, he also went to Algonquin and in 2016, um, Algonquin named, uh, him one of its, uh, you know, alumni distinguished alumni of the year, uh, just for the impact, uh, he's had, uh, over the last four decades on countless people in the industry. Um, he's been very involved still as a mentor, to entrepreneurs. He serves on an Invest Ottawa subcommittee uh, that's trying to promote uh, women entrepreneurs. He's very passionate about that, getting more diversity in tech. Uh, But now he's got another role. Um, He's in his late 60s now. And, you know, he was busy working 14-hour days for decades. And now he wants to take it easy because uh, he's got another Another sort of growth project uh, he wants to keep an eye on now, and that is his uh, his eighteen month old grandson, uh, his first grandchild. And, and talking to him uh, a couple of weeks ago, he was just you know over the moon about the just, just you know he, the gleam in his eye when he was talking about his grandson and how now I can finally you know watch him uh, watch him grow up and uh, just experience you know um, that that whole aspect of life that. That, that maybe he hasn't had as much time in the past as he'd like to. So, so he's gonna, you know, stop smell the roses a little bit more, but not not stay away from Tech and like you can never, you know, how these entrepreneurs are there, they never fully re- retire really. It's uh, he is gonna stay on the board. He's still gonna be uh, uh, chairman of uh, the board at MindBridge, still gonna be involved in Invest Ottawa, still going to be a mentor and a, and a, a trusted advisor to all kinds of people in Ottawa Tech, um, so uh, so his his influence is going to continue to be felt, no doubt, for years to come.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just to pick up on something you said there, David. Um, I think part of uh, Ellie's legacy is, of course, his kind of economic development the impact that he's had in the technology sector. But you touched on, you know, the social media reaction. It is the fact that Ellie's a very very personal. Uh, with people, you know, he's he's a very warm person. He has he has a tremendous amount of wisdom when you speak to him. So people are drawn to him. So I'm not surprised. It's partially Ellie the person, and it's part partially you know what he's the impact he's had on uh, Ottawa that will be fondly remembered. And as you said, I'm sure we haven't seen the the last of Ellie. So listen, uh, we're going to wrap things up. Thanks to you, uh, David. Peter, uh, I'm going to ask you uh, what we're working on. Uh, it's the summer month, so maybe it's a little bit slower, but n- nothing really slows down at OBJ. <laughs>
2: Uh, so one thing that uh, that I'm looking forward to is uh, this Wednesday, um, I'll be uh, co-hosting a webinar with our colleague, Lisa Thibodeau, all about how businesses can apply machine learning within their own companies. So machine learning, it's, it's all around us. Netflix and YouTube know exactly what I want to watch. My inbox knows which messages are important and which ones uh, look a little dodgy. Um, my word processor increasingly is finishing my sentences. So uh, this, this is a technology that's really gone mainstream. It's being used by accounting firms, law firms firms, a whole host of different, different businesses. It's not just the realm of academia or big tech anymore. So Lisa and I have a really exciting conversation on deck with uh, some experts from um, Audit Map, a local uh, Ottawa tech company, SenGen, uh, as well as our partners uh, from the uh, University of Ottawa Professional Development Institute. So it should be a really great uh, conversation. We really encourage everyone to, uh, to attend. It's a 30 minute free webinar. So please go to obj.ca slash events just to find the uh, registration details. That's super. I look forward
0: to that, uh, Peter. Well, that brings us to the end of today's episode. A reminder this uh, podcast can be watched or heard in uh, various ways. You can watch it on our YouTube channel. Be sure to like, subscribe, click the bell to get notifications when a new uh, video is uh, posted, or that when we're live, you can also listen to this popular podcast on major platforms such as Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, Twitch, Google on and on. Uh, If you're a real hardcore local business person, one thing to do is go to obj.ca and read us on a uh, daily basis. If you never want to miss a headline, what we recommend is you subscribe to our Monday to Friday email newsletter called OBJ Today. You can subscribe uh, to that by going to obj.ca slash newsletter slash sign up. On behalf of my colleagues, uh, Peter Cavessi and David Solly, thanks for tuning in. Stay healthy. Hope to see you real soon. Bye-bye.